Welcome back. We are starting a brand new series. Who do you love? Are you for sure? I was scrolling through some Facebook reels as we may all be prone to do, no judgment. And one particular video caught my attention. It was a bride and groom having their first look at one another before the wedding. I know, I know some of us think that's bad luck, but whatever, it's a thing. During that first look, often the bride and groom exchange a gift, and this one was no different. The bride hands the groom a pair of glasses. The groom, immediately recognizing the brand, exclaims, are these the colorblind glasses? From which you deduce that he is the one that is in fact colorblind. The bride, beaming with joy, says, yes, try them on. Already overcome with emotion, he shakily places the glasses over his eyes and is stunned by the beauty of everything around him. He then asks her, is this what you've been seeing your whole life? In that moment, it became clear to me that we can, if we are not careful, take the most precious things in our lives for granted, down to the blue in the sky or the various shades of green in a single blade of grass. We can make something common that God designed to be extraordinary. I fear we may do the same with our relationships. If we are not careful, we will waste time engaging in fruitless relationships that mimic culture and not Christ. God desires for our relationships to be extraordinary. In this new series, we are going to address the importance of relationships, what it means to be equally yoked, why dating should be encouraged, and the critical conversations we need to have before committing to anyone. Join me on today's episode, Yoked Up. I think we're going to have a good time with this one. Hey friend, so let me start off by saying that I have never been so excited and so nervous about starting a series. Why am I nervous? Because I know that there are going to be some listeners that are going to automatically assume that any discussion about relationships in the Christian context is going to be dry, right? And second, I know that there's also likely to be the assumption that if you grew up in church or wherever a part of a singles ministry that you've heard all this before. And while I'm not going to gas you up and make it seem like all of this is revolutionary, I am confident that if you dig in, and apply these principles, you will transform how you view, initiate, and engage in relationships, and that has the potential to change your life. For my married friends, you are not excluded from this journey. If you have experienced some challenges in your marriage, or you find yourself tripping up over the same issues repeatedly, our discussion might give you some insight into why that is. And secondly, if your relationship is flourishing, then you still know a single friend, have a cousin, or even a child who is entering that dating arena, and you may want to give them some help in navigating that space. Dating has purpose. Dating should be encouraged. Dating is designed to be an information gathering process by which you can determine if someone is a suitable mate for you. And when you do that correctly and maturely, it allows you to get to know people on a deeper level while also managing expectations, clearly communicating your needs, and parting ways if necessary without drama and without offense. Today, we're going to dive into this idea of being equally yoked. Most of us have heard that term before, but today we're going to really talk about where does it come from and what does it mean 
And most importantly, what are the consequences we can find ourselves in if we're in an unequally yoked situation? The scripture we're referring to is found in 2 Corinthians 6.14, and it reads, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? The Amplified Version goes on to read, Do not make mismatched alliances that are inconsistent with your faith. Do not make mismatched alliances that are inconsistent with your faith. So let's unpack the spirit of the scripture first, because I know there's a likelihood of offense here if we don't. In Dr. Tony Evans' study Bible, he writes that this whole idea of being equally or unequally yoked originates in Deuteronomy 22.10, in which the Israelites were commanded not to yoke together an ox and a donkey for plowing. And the point in the idea is that whether it's a romantic relationship, a close friendship, or even a business partnership, when you are unequally yoked, when you are mismatched, that that compromise can negatively affect your intimacy with God. So if you're an unbeliever or a believer who's in a relationship with an unbeliever, I know that these words can appear cold or even harsh. But let me explain. As a believer, our faith, our belief system is supposed to be the core of who we are. It frames how we think, how we act, the decisions we make, how we plan for the future, the places we go, how we invest our money, everything. And choosing to be in a relationship with an unbeliever is not a sin. Let me say it again. Choosing to be in a relationship with an unbeliever is not a sin. It's just not wise. Well, why, Shania? When Paul wrote this scripture, as he illustrates a believer and an unbeliever on the issues that matter, on how to build a life, will likely find themselves at two opposite ends of a spectrum that causes us to introduce difficulties and complexities that could have been avoided. Does it mean that a relationship between an unbeliever and a believer can't work? Absolutely not. But it does stand to reason that if you can't avoid the fight, if you can't avoid the struggle, then it only would seem wise to do so. Now, let me be very clear that this scripture is not a license of superiority. Paul is not suggesting that believers are better than unbelievers mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. This is the same man who later on writes that even amongst believers, look, unless you were burning up with lust, he says, don't get married because you will struggle to put God first when you have a spouse's needs to consider. So when Paul encourages us not to marry an unbeliever, it isn't about us being better than. It's about not allowing anything to get in the way of your relationship with Christ. And when you make that decision to date or marry someone whose belief system is opposite than yours, you are placing an unnecessary stumbling block in your way. What are some of the things that can arise when you marry an unbeliever? Well, one of the questions that people have found it hard to contend with is, how do we raise our children? If my belief system is based in Christianity, is based in the Bible, and yours is non-existent or something that is in conflict with what I believe, how are we going to raise our children? What will we believe? What will, what will we raise them to believe? What are going to be the standards for our family? What will be the standards for our marriage, including fidelity, setting appropriate boundaries, intimacy, sex? How do we feel about church attendance? Are we going to be on the same page about giving 10% if we can't even agree on what we believe? What about ministry involvement? What about corporate worship? 
how are those daily decisions going to be affected by the fact that we don't share the same foundation? So again, it's not a sin, but it does open the door to unnecessary strife. And we all know that life is hard. (laughs) And dating and marriage, those things are difficult enough on their own. So we have to do things to make sure we get out of our own way. In biblical times, this idea of being yoked would have been something that would have sent a very clear and consistent and impactful message to the people of that time. They were people that lived in an agrarian culture, meaning they were farmers, they worked the land. So many of the analogies and the parables and the stories that were used in the Bible often incorporated agriculture as a reference, hence ox. You're probably thinking, <laughs> what ox? Where, where, where are the ox? I missed the ox. What point talked about the ox? Did you know that cows and ox are the same animal? The only distinction is in how they are used. Cows are used for milk. Ox are used to pull heavy loads. Cows only get the title of ox when they've earned it. There is no other distinction between a cow and an ox other than how they are used, other than how they're positioned, what role they play. A cow can't pull a load and an ox isn't going to line up to be milked. (laughs) An ox's training begins very young, and generally for four years, they are put through this rigorous preparation to prove that they can pull and shoulder a heavy load. And that training would include them being paired up with another animal, and a yoke, which is a piece of wood, would be put around their shoulder or neck area that would hold them there together, and that would allow them to pull that heavy load as one unit. To be unequally yoked would mean that one of the the cows was stronger than the other, or one was taller or shorter than the other, which would cause the load to just go around in circles. (sighs) Because the two were mismatched, it would cause the load to go around in circles. Wasted time. Fruitless relationships not making any progress, no growth, repeated toxic cycles. They can't perform the task set before them because instead of working together, they're working at odds with one another. Does any of this hit? One can't pursue their purpose because they're dragging the other one around. One doesn't even understand the concept of ministry service because while they're a good person and they're quote unquote spiritual, They pick and choose what scriptures they want to apply. (laughs) One can't communicate effectively because that's a load they were never trained to carry. One feels unworthy because they've been overwhelmed since childhood of being ill-equipped and full of insecurity. So if I'm in a place where I'm trying to find a suitable partner and I'm assessing whether that person is right for me, the very first question I'm going to ask myself is am I an ox? Am I an ox? Where is my relationship with God? What is the level of intimacy him and I share? Have I come to know myself? Have I trained myself? Have I and am I still investing in myself so that I can be an asset? Can I carry my share of the load? Because let me be clear, I'm not talking about carrying someone else's baggage. I'm talking about, am I equipped to do life together with someone and to face the challenges that will come, not creating a toxic codependent relationship? 
After I've done that inner work, I'm then going to ask, ask, is the person I'm dating an ox? And where do I see fruit of that? Because I'm, I'm not going to base my assessment just on their words. What do I see in their actions? How do they speak to people? How do they act? How do they treat others when I'm around and when I'm not around? What training have they been through? What equipping or giftedness or vision are they carrying? How are they investing in themselves in preparation for marriage? What loads are they prepared to carry? This is a lot of things, but what it's not is an invitation to judge where someone is in their relationship with Christ. We want to observe, we want to evaluate, we want to assess whether where they are is suitable for us, but we're not asking, are they a good person? We're not saying, is their relationship with God real? Only God knows that. We're simply asking, are they suitable for me? Have they been through life circumstances that will equip us to do life well together? What is their family dynamic like? What belief systems, what traditions, what expectations do they hold as a result of how they were raised? Did those heavy loads they carry in their past result in character building or childhood trauma, right? In order to pull this load called life together, we have to be equally yoked. In order to properly play our roles, we must both qualify as ox. In the past, Christian culture has reduced being equally yoked to only asking one question, are you a believer? And some of us would even settle for someone saying that they were spiritual (laughs) or that they believe that there is a God just so we could proceed in a relationship we wanted, not being mindful whether it was something we needed. Oh gosh, I'm looking at the time. Oh, and I'm debating whether I even have, have the time to bother the fact that even if you're both ox, (laughs) and can carry a load together, it doesn't mean that you should. Because if we're looking to really have long-lasting, successful relationships that lead to marriage, we have to do more than just check the believer box, friend. Being a believer is the bare minimum. Being a believer is the bare minimum, but y'all aren't ready to have that conversation. Being a believer is the bare minimum. But guess what? We're out of time. (laughs) So I'm going to leave you with this, friend. Don't be afraid to have the critical conversations because apart from coming to know Jesus, who you choose to enter into a relationship with is the most important decision you can make. And you are worth the time it takes to assess who and what is best for you. In the upcoming episodes, we're going to dig even deeper into the questions to ask and the concepts to consider when trying to find a suitable partner. This series, Who Do You Love? Are You For Sure? is going to deposit so much value into you. I cannot wait to talk to you next week. I'm Shania, and this is Rooted. (laughs) 